Have you hugged your ganja bush today? Do you smoke the herb daily? This was going out to our meditators. Dr. So I'm here with Aaron from Astronomics. He's growing in sealed greenhouses, utilizing RDWC, recirculating deep water culture here at Area 420. That is something that's really new even to the experienced growers, and everybody's excited to learn a little bit more about that, and I'm glad to have you on here today, Aaron. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Great. Well, I was wanting to ask you, what was the reason you got into growing in the first place? Yeah, um, you know, I... Uh, we were kind of talking about this earlier, like a little bit of a kind of just interest over the plant, um, a little bit of medical. I was, you know, as a teenager taking uh, SSRI, anti-anxiety kind of depression medication and uh, switched off of that to cannabis and um, had a, a really positive experience there and then uh, grew um, in Texas back in 2009, 10, 11. Uh, and uh, built my own RDWC system at that time after doing, uh, you know, first it was just kind of Rockwell, small Rockwell cubes and, and buckets, and, or, uh, and then it was tables, and then built the RDWC system, and and I uh, just had really good results with it. Took a big, long break, and then got back in in 2020 uh, here in Area 420. So you moved here just to set up your system here? You know, it kind of evolved over time. Um, you know, we were uh, bicycle taxi drivers for, for a long time. That's how me and my wife met. Onset of the pandemic, that kind of crashed. I was helping build a house here in Area 420. It was actually a mushroom-shaped house. Uh, shout out to my, my buddy Gary Evans, if you're out there, ever hear this. Um, but, uh, and we saw the guys, uh, you know, pulling down harvests. And, uh, you know, just, I was telling Gary, I was like, hey, man. You know, we want to live in Colorado. I can grow weed. Uh, at the time, we were living in Salida, just kind of passing through on some temporary work, and uh, we just really wanted to live here and uh, do the things we're passionate about, you know, uh, mountain biking, climbing, being in the outdoors, um, and we just, you know, utilizing my skills of uh, traditional agriculture, uh, regenerative permaculture, uh, we started the field. And my knowledge of weed, you know, kind of blending those two things together to try to pull a crop through. Uh, we started that in 2020 and and uh, pulled through 1,800 plants, and then another year, 3,400 3, plants, and then now we're in the greenhouses, and and uh, it's just kind of gotten. Yeah, you know, it turns into a bit of a monster, you know. It gets a lot of control sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I don't were, think we ever knew we would be where we're at now. Yeah, we were talking about that a little bit earlier, and how, what the difference is between growing at home for yourself for 50 plants compared to growing commercially for something like a market out there. It's uh, it's completely different, and uh, the styles go completely different, and everybody's interested in this recirculating deep water culture, as I say that right? Yeah, yeah. So basically you're growing in buckets and you recirculate the water and it, you were telling me how much water you save on this. Could you kind of go into this grow technique and how you got into it? For sure, yeah. The, uh, you know, when we were designing, we wanted to get out of the weather up here. Uh, we're in one of the highest alpine valleys in the world uh, up here in Moffat, 7,500 feet. Um, you know, wonderful dry weather, uh, it has its limitations, weather is unpredictable, and we just had so many headaches outside uh, that we really wanted to get under something. But 
Um, I didn't want to do a passive greenhouse. I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to have as much, uh, like, you know, stringent tight controls over the environmentals, more so than like a water wall, passive kind of air system. Wanted to seal it up. Uh, we ran these this specific kind of HVAC system called a VRF. So, so instead of compressing air, it compresses coolant and moves that into some air movers. Really efficient version of a HVAC system. Um, and then, of course, the buckets. So uh, utilizing, you know, indoor style controls, um, uh, the power of the sun primarily as our light source uh, in, a in a fully sealed depth greenhouse. Um, and then combining that power of the sun, driving uh, the just the metabolic rate of these plants, just, it's crazy inside the buckets. The bioavailability of deep water culture, uh, medialist, true hydro um, under the power of the sun is, is pretty wild to see. It kind of blew everybody's expectations out of the water in terms of growth rates. And uh, we don't veg. We, get, we buy our clones because we don't have a mother prop right now. Uh, which is fine. It's it's a lot less work for me and just one other employee that are pretty much running the whole thing right now, which is 4,000 square feet, uh, two 4,000 square foot spaces right now running. So um, two systems. Um, the RWC, you know, it, because it is water, uh, sort of the way that it works is, you know, you fill the system up. Um, it's got aerated bubbles in it, so you're dissolving oxygen and creating a slight bit of uh, turbulence in the water to move the nutrients. And then course it has a recirculating pumps as well so the water's just kind of gently moving through the system with the air bubbles and uh put bare root clones in there and they just as long as your environmentals are right and they can transpire appropriately they just they just they drink and eat and breathe oxygen through their roots uh 24 7 they never stop doing it no dry back just constant drinking um <laughs> which has its challenges in the environment as well so um, it being, that being said, you're not like draining to waste, right? Like you're putting solution into the system and the plants drink it and trans evaporate that moisture out as condensate. We capture that, reuse it. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're generating RO water from, from the deep wells here in area 420. It's pretty good quality water as it is, but it's just easier to keep stability in the chemistry of the water if you, uh, and, and stardom too, uh, if you uh, are producing RO water. So um, as they drink, you just fill it in. And um, you can usually use, I would say in a traditional drain to waste, you're probably recapturing enough that I'd say, you know, you're using maybe 10 to 15,000 gallons of water for our entire 13-week cycle. Um, and that's for 400 buckets we have in each space, um, about actually 392 to be accurate. And so it's seven XXL systems for current culture, 13-gal um, buckets, one epicenter is kind of like a little brain, and then there's 56 buckets attached to that. And they recirculate in that system, and then there's seven of those. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of the system in a nutshell. So you were talking about the bioavailability and what that means is it's able to absorb the nutrients out of the water faster, correct? Yeah. Or more efficiently? More efficiently, yeah. I think, um, you know, depending. And, and the other thing that's interesting about RDWC is kind of getting the growers that come in kind of deprogram their understanding of, like, you know, PPM increase and, and how it's going to hit the plants. We drop ours in at 150 PPM. And much hotter than that, and they'll it'll burn the roots and stunt them out. And so, um, you know, really what you're doing is you're just keeping a finger on the pulse of the chemistry, drop the plants in. Uh, they're just they're picking up exactly what they need when they need it, and you just watch that 
the parts per million of your food in the water, when that drops and your pH goes up, um, you can. there's a number of ways you can do it, but essentially you're putting that food back in, bumping it slightly, um, and then getting you back. So you have these parameters, right? Your pH parameter, you could be anywhere from like 5.7 to 6.3, kind of in that range, and let that nominal drift happen as they eat. And then as they eat, you know, you put the RO water, the food, and the pH back in, balance the chemistry, and let them do their thing. As long as they're in that kind of zone, and you're bumping them real slow and easy, um, you know, we don't, we, we work on the 700 scale and I mean, if, or, or even just EC for people like never above, you know, 1.2 EC, um, very rarely, uh, you don't need to push them that hard. So, uh, for my growers, I say like, just think about it as, as, you know, half of what you would do in a traditional, um, like rock wool or, or, um, you know, cocoa, something like that. So you're using less water and less nutrients all together so it's a lot less money that you have to invest in the beginning correct yeah I would say the nutrient uptake is fast but uh, it is new it is resource efficient in that way too um, and that's from the cultured solutions line same guys who make the buckets um, so they've you know tailored their nutrients regimen to you know RDWC and I think anytime you're doing any kind of cultivation it's important to understand the uptake of your system and kind of what sort of nutrients um, are going to uptake well in, in, in your specific system if you are doing hydroponics. So you know, we were talking about how the terpenes are preserved in this system too because it's so much easier to flush it, right? You're not using as much of the chemical or, or your nutrient and it's easier to flush it out and you can uh, use the, the sun UV you were talking about because it's it increases the terpenes. Could you Go into a little bit more about how the terpenes in your herb is pretty nice. I smelled them. I really like it. <laughs> and how you preserve those. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, like cure is always kind of king when it comes to, um, you know, retaining the quality. And then I think it starts with genetics. Uh, having good starts, we go from TC. So, you know, no, no viral, fungal, bacterial load. Um, I think that's really important for our system's health in general and also the final genetic expression of whatever cultivar you're messing with. Um, you know, as you said, the flush, I mean, we flush probably two or three days. Um, and because there's no media, there's not much, there's nothing really to flush out. You're not going to rid the plant of anything it's stored up in its cell walls. I think the key to is giving a really... Um, efficient and bioavailable nutrient regiment so that the plant is using just what it needs and not storing a bunch of waste or, or um, what have you. And then as far as like, you know, the terpenes, I think one of the things that helps that kind of, I think a lot of people who have been smoking for a long time could probably pick out, you know, a phenotypical expression from uh, soil versus a pure hydro, you know, they just kind of looked a little different. Um, but the sun just really throws down those UVA, UVB, um, and, and really generates this. We're at 7,500 feet, so, you know, the plant is using that light stress and that UV stress to pump terpenes um, as a defense mechanism. Um, our, our trichome density, I think, is definitely aided by the sun, put, really helping it pack on some serious uh, protection, really. And then... Um, uh, you know, beyond that, I'd say that uh, just the sun just definitely gives the structure that, that tighter feeling than what you might see in a typical kind of indoor style uh, pure hydro. So kind of marrying that 
that outdoor sun, the, the effect that like all people kind of know, like sun-grown weed just has that kind of special oomph to it in terms of flavor. Um, and I think just marrying that, driving the, the metabolic rate of the system and the plants in the system is just kind of a match made in heaven if you can get it right, which we're still trying to do. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Well, still, it's a strain-specific thing, too, and that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about, the genetics. The genetics that you're growing now, you said you have to get very clean genetics because if it carries a virus and it, it can spread to all the plants and they grow because they're connected, correct? Yeah, seven systems, so 56 are connected, um, the buckets are connected, and uh, flow together. So that there's, you know, you lose one, you lose 56 in some cases, but we haven't had that much trouble yet. Um, had seen a little bit of fusarium coming up on, a, on the first run, and uh, we kind of caught it in time, was able to triage the situation, slow the spread to finish. Um, but, yet, you know, we got those from tissue culture, you know, in fresh bucket runs. So I think a lot of people, you know, are are right to be skeptic in the sense that the learning curve and the penalty for failure is quite high um, because, you know, water is a is an excellent place for pathogens to propagate. <laughs> so keeping it really sterile and clean is another reason why, you know, it, it's it, we can't use microbial life in the bucket. Some people might argue that, but uh, we keep it out and we just make sure we have a really clean regiment from start to finish. Yeah, as you told me, you have to get your your uh, clones from a specific place that's really really specific on cleaning them, make sure they're clean, don't get infected into your grow system. But I want to ask you from when you started growing and you said you replaced your, your other medicines with cannabis, what were some strains that actually helped you at that moment? And were there any that actually increased your symptoms? Yeah, um, you know, the and growing up in Texas and and not in Houston and and just it's just a mixed bag, you know. You didn't really know what you were getting. It was just it wasn't that kind of state. It was Reggie's or or, <laughs> or, or crazy good stuff <laughs> or crazy fire. Yeah, it was just like you know. It was Reggie's or chronic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it was really just uh, once I started home growing though, I, you know, as a lot of young guys do. I had somebody that was teaching me who'd had, you know, extensive experience uh, running and flipping houses and stuff. Uh, he almost got caught, went to the oil fields, kind of hid away for a little bit. I met him when he had just moved back to the college town I was living in, which is University of North Texas. And, um, you know, he was just right away, he was like, oh, this kid's got some, some, some savings. Let's start a grow, you know? And I was like, well... Uh, at that time, you know, I had been smoking in, in high school, just kind of whatever I could get my hands on. Just, uh, you know, my grades went up, surprisingly. I started getting, like, better grades. Just more interested in school was more interesting, turns yeah, out. Yeah, I noticed that, too. I was the same way in college. <laughs> um, dropped out of college pretty immediately to, to just grow with this guy and then move on on my own. But, um, you know, the strains that we brought to the table originally were the Island Sweet Skunk. Um, and I had uh, an NL4 cross morning glory um that we started with um some just some bag seed really nothing crazy I kind of pheno hunted that out and then got a production cycle going kind of trading off uh to keep it perpetual split the split the labor on both i was living upstairs he was living downstairs and it was just super sketchy it was really scary yeah growing black market or <laughs> a traditional market is definitely even if you're not selling it, you're just growing for yourself, it's sketchy. Oh, it was incredibly sketchy. Um, 
and but you know learned a lot and um, and then you get plugged into the breeding community pretty quickly uh, it's weird like you know in a in a kind of profession there where you, you know you tell one person two people no you tell two people 12 people no it really the only kind of people that you tend to associate with or start forming a relationship with is other growers <laughs> in the area so you know uh, another pal in the same town was blowing out a house and they were doing um, strawberry cough and blueberry and so um, both of those were just constantly floating around we didn't cycle much at the time it's just like we knew we had some bangers and we we were just running with those. Cloned them and cloned them and cloned yep, them. Yep, and exactly. You know, I was really new to the culture at that time, and and still am. Like, never like got like crazy deep into it. It was just, it was just something that was really interesting to me. And um, when I got into cabbing, and and doing more bicycle taxi stuff uh, around the United States, and and Sarah was doing some park service work. My wife was uh, worked for. Uh, National Parks, United States Forest Service, in various places, and uh, at that time I was doing more like traditional agriculture, um, like bi French biointensive uh, permaculture kind of stuff um, up in California, and so got some traditional agricultural techniques from that, and then it kind of married those two things to, to start to grow out here. So, so we, we, we spoke a little bit earlier about preferred methods of consumption. Mine is a blunt. I don't recommend tobacco use, but I, use, I do it myself because I used to smoke cigarettes, and it's a nice substitute, not as bad for my health, and it's a crutch. I can hold it in my hand in social situations and not have to have a beer or something to feel like I have to have yeah. a little comfort or a blanket, comfort blanket, you know? Yeah. Um, you said you like to smoke flour. Yeah. And uh, you a little bit of rosin. That seems to be the, the consensus with everybody I've interviewed. It seems to be a trend. Flowers seems to be the preferred method of consumption for all the breeders and growers, and live rosin is right behind that. Have you ever had a bad experience, like with some really high THC content, or like a really racy sativa, or just an edible that you consume too much and put you in a bad position? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think you know, the older I get, the the less. Um, I like to stay lifted and the flower just helps me kind of keep the finger on the pulse of like how medicated I want to be. You know, dabbing for a year was fine too, but I just, man, your tolerance just, you just rip through tolerance so fast and you just need to consume so much all the time to kind of keep chasing it. Um, so like, yeah, really, really, I'm, I think most people here probably would agree, but and, uh, but yeah, total cannabinoid profile is what I'm looking for. Low THC, moderate THC with like a good terpene profile. And I mean, these guys are all breeders and growers and, and connoisseurs. They, it's the same kind, it's our generation of wine, you know what I mean? It's our generation of the, it's our, it's our culture of craft beer. It's just like people who are really sensory in the way that they interact with the world, like just love to nerd out on cultivars and smells and pick it all apart and and uh, it's enjoyable, you know, and it and it creates this camaraderie, I think, where just people can get excited around, you know, somebody's work, especially in this community. It's just like you know the people who are working hard to produce um, something special, and then when something special does come up that kind of hits your palate, you know, you can all be pumped together and hyped and grow it out and 
Um, it's just been a really good experience being in this community for that reason too. Yeah, I like the community and I like the, the fact that you earlier you mentioned you, your grades went up, things became more interesting, learning. I think that's a thing with cannabis. People become more aware. They want to interact with nature a little more. They become interested in their health instead of other consume consumptions uh, it just makes you uh, like alcohol or certain types of pharmaceuticals they just turn you into a zombie or you just don't care and you don't all you want to do is sit around and complain all the time i don't see that in this community very much and it's it's very uplifting i believe yeah you yeah. see everybody in a positive mind frame and enjoying themselves yeah i think you know anybody that comes out here and sees this and you know, by all means, we are competing businesses in this free, in this, you know, quotations, free market. Um, but, uh, you know, you come out here and you see all these people supporting each other and lending each other equipment and coming out and just giving, you know, some free advice about this or that. You know, at the end of the day, your neighbors want to see you succeed and we want to see our neighbors succeed because we're out here shoulder to shoulder. Um, and it just the, the family kind of feeling that you get from 420 is uh, it's definitely an added benefit. We live out in Crestone and we commute here about 15 minutes, so we we live out there. But you know, like last night, my wife was uh, off back in Austin uh, visiting family, and um, I saw the train cars getting ready for tonight. Came by and smoked out and. Uh, just got to laugh and commiserate about the struggles of the of, of growing in a competitive market that it is right now. And yeah, I learned a lot about rosin and extracting the rosin, pressing it, what's needed, what's not needed. And there's certain strains for it. There's certain strains not for it. There's some breeders that breed now just for strains that will wash well and produce a nice live rosin. Yeah, that's uh, interesting for people to know, but because there's strains like that and or people out there want to extract, there are certain strains you want to avoid if that's your final uh, product. If that's what you're wanting to do, stay away from these breeds or these strains and focus on these other ones. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I wanted to ask you about Crestone. Crestone's, what, 15 minutes down the road. I went down for coffee this morning. It's yeah. a cool little town. It, it is. is an international dark sky community, correct? It is, yeah. So what is that? Does that mean there's no lights within like a 15-mile radius or something or like a... Yeah, there's like a there's like a brightness kind of ordinance, like kind of style of light that you can use. And it is, it is. It's incredible. It's spectacular. I've never seen the Milky Way, you know, from horizon to horizon just, you know just so bright you know somebody was asking me if our neighbors uh if our neighbors like little led security lights were messing with our field last year and i was like you know no it's like you should see when it's full moon out here i mean you can see clear across the valley it's so bright um so it is it's a unique place it's still kind of one of the last vestiges of colorado that feels um, it's funny you come out here for 420 and it, it just you really do feel like pioneer spirit in your bones you know uh, you're just like out here just trying to hold on to a slice of heaven any way you can and it is it's, it's nice out here for sure yes I totally agreed I really appreciate you coming on the show Aaron and talking about your your system it's highly interesting I want to have you on again sometime in the future and we'll talk a little bit more about that but uh, let's go out here and enjoy the rest of this uh festival here and get something to eat and check out some more of this fresh harvest that's all around yeah man well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it you're welcome thank you
would you like to grow your own cannabis at home? Are you able to now because it's legal in your state? Are you intimidated by the prices of seeds and worry if you can't even get the seeds to germinate? Are you worried it may be a waste of money and time to even try? This is how I felt when I first started growing for myself. Hundreds of dollars were spent and wasted because of my inexperience. Some of them got overwatered. Some of them were burnt by hot soil. Some didn't have the right environment and conditions to survive. If this is the case and you are hesitating to purchase seeds, for a limited time, Little Farmer is offering 50 random seeds from his personal collection for only $50. That is 50 seeds for only $1 each. Normal prices for seeds start around $10, and some people charge even more than that. This is a great way to get a lot of seeds without having to spend a lot of money. This is a great chance for all those who are intimidated by their prices and don't have to worry about failing on their first attempt for germination. This is also a great opportunity to see what goes well in your environment. As we all know, some strains will grow better in different regions due to the climate, and you will be able to see what thrives in your area with the variety that you will receive. These packs are good for experienced growers as well, as I have received nothing but great feedback thus far. Some strains included consist of Blue Dream, Gelato, Gelato Cake, Vanilla Haze, Head Smack, Green Crack, Purple Headband, Granddaddy Perps, Han Solo Burger, Tangy, GG4, Dynachem, Night Nurse, Golden Goat, Cookies, GMO, and many more. To get your hands on these packs, you will need to head over to the Little Farmer website at www.littlefarmer.com. That is L-I-L-P-H-A-R-M-E-R.com and put in an order. While there, you can browse other items available, including the tree lock box, to carry around all your consumption needs around in one handy lockable box. Included in the box is a pipe, a grinder, a container for your herb, a lighter, and two handy tools to help you prepare your herbs and your hash. My favorite thing about the box is the tray that you can use to break up your herb while preparing it for consumption. It is hard to spill and easy to clean up. I don't travel anywhere without mine. Finally, if you need any consulting for your home growing needs, please contact Little Farmer from his website's contact us page by leaving a message. We can help you with your lighting, growing mediums, and other growing questions because I not only sell seeds, but I help you grow them too. Make sure to take advantage of these seed prices while they last because they won't last long. And now back to the show. Welcome back everyone. I am here with Patty Kelbert of Galactic Cultivations and we are going to talk about her grow down here in Moffitt down in area 420, some of her grow styles and why she got into smoking and why she got into breeding or why she got into growing. Welcome Patty. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Well, we are going to talk to people today and uh, discuss why you got into smoking. Okay, well... Or um, consuming, I should say. I don't want to say you started smoking <laughs> at first. Did you maybe start it with edibles? Well, of course, it all started socially. I'm six years old now, so I would say probably around 16, 17 years old, um, smoking in the, you know, out in the um, schoolyard with the kids in the smoking area, and there's passing around some joints, and I'm like, oh, this stuff is pretty good. And, you know, as you got older, stopped for a while when I had my family and stuff, but then realized that how I really needed it as I got older. And um, now I have Parkinson's. My mom passed away of Parkinson's, and um, it really does help with Parkinson's. Um, so I, I really like it, and I smoke a lot, actually. What? <laughs> 
what are some of the symptoms of Parkinson? I'm not 100% um, familiar with that. I know okay. it involves trembling, maybe? Yes, it has. Sometimes it can be tremors. Um, sometimes not. It kind of depends where it lodges in your brain. And, um, you know, you lose memory. You lose a lot of different things, uh, mostly... Um, in your hands, um, I'm having a lot of little problems with my hands right now. So just smoking definitely helps with that. And um, yeah. I've, Where are you originally from? I'm originally from New York, and then my family had a restaurant. We moved to Florida when I was 14, and we started a restaurant there, and we're very successful. And we ended up selling it about seven years ago. And my daughter got into um, the marijuana industry here in Colorado. She opened up a grow in Gunnison and then a dispensary. And we worked for her, me and my husband, and we helped her along with her business and just kind of learned. We you know, experimented in Colorado when we sold our business and came out here and bought property and had a little garden outside. And we realized we really enjoyed growing and, and you know, really had a purpose in getting into the different strains and, you know, just learning all about it and realizing we can actually really grow. Yeah, I started smoking at 17 or 16, I think, same way, but not too much until I got into college because I played a lot of sports and just wasn't accessible. And uh, was it easily accessible to you in New York? Were you in New York City or were you upstate No, New York? I was actually 14 when we moved to Florida. So I was in Florida when, when I started start, consuming. Okay. And, you know, it was very accessible because everybody was growing it. We called it ditch weed because we would grow it in the ditches. <laughs> Oh, well, Where it could we be hidden. Creeper. It was yeah. something from Florida. Yeah. That we heard of in West Virginia. That's where I'm from. Yeah. We heard a creeper. Oh, it's a Florida yeah. thing. Yeah. We called it just ditch weeds or regs. Um, regs. Had a lot of seeds in it. Um, and it was very accessible. People would just, you know, partly, I ever, hardly ever bought it. I didn't end up having to buy it till I was like in my 20s. <laughs> but you had to hide it, though, right? You did have to hide it. It was very legal in Florida. And, of course, you had to be very careful. Um, of course, never drove with it. Just, you know, had it at home. And then, um, you know, about, I'd say probably about 10 years ago, I ran into a person and um, she just, you know, said, hey, um, you need to try this. She said, it'll help you with your Parkinson's. It'll help you with everything. Uh, mentally, um, I just had lost my father. He had um, heart problems and passed away. And I was so depressed and they wanted to give me antidepressants. And I said, no, I just need some weed because I remember that helping me in the past. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people in that situation where I'm from would rely on alcohol. And that's just a downward spiral of depression. Exactly. And uh, I know I've drank a lot. So then I've been around a lot of drinking and Smoking weed is a positive mm -hmm. impact on most people's outlook on life. Yes, it is. And, it uh, is. And compassion and it just makes you feel more yeah. positive as yeah. a person. Yeah. And it really shows. Uh, everybody here in this community, I, I, I feel that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, going back to uh, smoking or <laughs> not smoking, what is the preferred method of consumption for what give you most relief for your Parkinson? Well, you know, I'm just like like an old timer, so I really love my joints. Um, I'm like wine. I'm, I'm, I could say I'm a weed consumer. Um, the strains I pick to grow here in Area 420, um, I have grown um, technically six strains, but um, I dabbled in a few other strains just to experiment how they do in this area. Um, some are known for southern climates, Colombia, and all that. But I said, you know, I'm just going to give it a try, see how it grows here. It unfortunately did not grow very well. <laughs> Yeah. But it did grow. Um, you know, I'm very happy. 
Um, my favorite weed of all time is the Golden Goat. Um, I just really, it's a sativa. It's one of the, you know, pure sativas, I think, in my heart. It's not a hybrid, um, you know, and also it just it just really helps me get me going in the morning, gives me energy, and it really helps with my tremors and stuff with Parkinson's. Um, but that's my favorite one for the day. And at night, I kind of like um, gelato cake. That seems to be my indica kind of going, um, you know, we've had that strain for a long time and just really like that. And then I actually tried some seeds this year for the first time, kind of, got forced into seeds unfortunately um but anyway to make a long story short i'm glad i did we started our seeds in june and they ended up to be just beautiful they were like six foot tall and just loaded and they came from um matt from um brainstrap here in um, area 420 on um, the flower factory they were his seeds and i was really lucky i had a sextum that was a lot of big challenge took a long time to to yeah, get them all, all the males out of there but it was a great experience to learn about seeds because we've really never done seeds before and the seeds we have done were feminized, so these were not feminized, but um, they were so strong and just great. It was a great experience. So yeah. your grow is completely outdoors, under it is. sun, no it is. greenhouse? No, we have one greenhouse, but we ended up putting the last of the seeds in there because, like I said, we started them in June. So by the time we got all the males out of there, we're now into August, and um, I was getting a little worried, and I said, you know what, we're just leaving them in here. And the rest were outside. Um, so we had 1,800 total. We had 400, no, about 300 in the greenhouse, and um, you know, 1,700 outside. And so, I, I, you worked with Build a Soil to help your I did. Uh, to to regenerate your soil, right? Yes, this I is did. Your first year in the in the soil. Year? Yes, yes, it was a first time growing. Um, our soil was from Build a Soil as well as our nutrients. So I'm. I'm hoping they test well because, um, you know, nobody else really does build a soil out here that I know of. I think there is one other grower, not in Area 420, but in the San Luis Valley. He is a um, build-a-soil grower. So, um, but yeah, I, I felt really confident of the organic. We mended our soil with all good stuff, um, worm castings and um all different kinds of i can't even think off the top of my head i'm sorry but <laughs> they do a lot it. Of, did, did you go the vegan route with them yes i, I did they got the vegan uh something i got a bag for, yeah. of nutrients for them yes for yes bloom and it's a, they were it's they a were vegan we did use some mix. pure fish um i i called it fish guts i don't know what it was it was like yeah. a fish oil fish it yeah and um they loved it the plants just love that stuff and of course molasses fell a lot of molasses uh, molasses is great for growing it really feeds the plants they enjoy it i think that's why my all my weed smells so sweet um yeah the breeks it, it does help with the uh the uptake or it helps to break down the nutrients so they can absorb it quicker. exactly yeah. exactly and i love the idea of the living soil you're yeah. so you started growing the strains that you liked yes because you wanted to help medicate yourself that's exactly. one thing and the golden exactly. goat's a great example yes. I, I forgot about yes. that one but that's a good yes. one I, yes. that people do like for daytime yeah. my roommate smokes it gets to work mechanic go, goes at it and yeah um the other one gelato cake is one i discovered here in colorado that i fell in love with and i really liked a lot and uh i'm actually growing that one now and i, I have yeah. that one for myself that's going to be in my medical cabinet all the time <laughs> exactly uh, they're they're really good strains and yeah. but uh what happened you were going with clone and did you lose it because of the weather or something well, did you have a yeah, bad day we, or uh, we um I hired somebody to help me that he kind of admitted to me I'm really not a grower. And um, so he, you know, missed some steps like acclimating the plants from the clones out into the, that's so harsh here, the sun, you just can't throw them out. You have to acclimate them. So you start them in either a greenhouse or a shaded area. 
And as they grow, they get used to the sun and then slowly plant them in the ground and we kind of miss that step. So I had my clones put them outside because um, we're like an outdoor grower. We have no indoors, you know, everything's out. And um, the greenhouse wasn't started yet. And actually my greenhouse is all open. The only thing it has is a, has a hood over the top, but the ends are open and the doors roll up. So, um, so it's it like was, a wind tunnel. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I think just growing outdoors is best because, um, you know, the rain washes them and it's just, it's just beautiful. And, you know, when they're um, in that greenhouse, the wind blows through and, and then you get all kinds of stuff in there. And, and I think the plants, just the ones outside to me, just much healthier. You well, know? shout out to Growcast. We uh, went to a living soil class with them, uh, and I would recommend you get in touch with them and learning about their living soil and regenerating it in some yes. of their manners. Yes. Uh, and you will have some of the biggest trees <laughs> out here. That's and what I'm going for. <laughs> hit Matt's advice of maybe planting some seeds in the ground this fall before the frost. Yes. And then those tap roots will go in, yes. and you can weed out those males a little bit sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And the wind yeah. will not knock your plants over yes. here. Yes. That's uh, within a couple of years, you keep your genes and genetics that go good here. Uh -huh. You're going to have some. I've saw, I've seen your trees, and yeah. uh, they look pretty impressive for first year. So yeah. build a soil yeah. did a good job with you. Yeah, I think stuff, they I did. Believe. I just wish they had more. Not you know, I called them a few times. I had questions. Um, I think they could be a little bit more knowledgeable. So shout out to Build the Soil. I think you um, you're dabbling in the marijuana industry. I know you have been doing it for a long time, but just um, maybe giving the growers a little bit like we you know we we're not sure what we're feeding. You know I shouldn't say we're not sure we're feeding. We know we're feeding, but just doing different. Um, um, like for bloom and flower, you know, when you go into a grocery store, you see all this stuff and you're like, what the heck? You know, there's 20 different thousands of um, nutrients out there. And um, there are some organic ones in there that are very good as well. But if you run out of something and here you're stranded and you're like, you know, what can I just give a little bit of boost? I feel like um, my buds aren't maybe big enough or hard enough or, you know, they're not really... You know, I just felt like I could have got a little bit more help from them. And then we got this horrible grasshopper, um, locust, whatever cloud that came into area 420 and everybody was freaking out what do we do with our you know they're eating our plants they're on our buds they're you know so that was kind of scary for me just growing outdoors and coming from an indoor environment where you control everything and outdoor you can't control anything you never know what's going to happen so you're always worried so that was a little you know troublesome through the summer but um when the grasshoppers came you know, I, I didn't freak out. I just looked around. You know, I did call Build the Soil and say, hey, is there an organic remedy for, you know, a pesticide or something? I really don't put anything on my plants. They're flowering now. And, you know, they couldn't tell me anything. Oh, just walk around and pick them off. Well, you know, I have 1,800 plants. Am I going to pick <laughs> pick all these off every plant? You know, so it's kind of frustrating. But I kind of, every morning, I walk through, through my watering routine and check and pick them off. And I said, you know, they're really not eating much. So I'm just going to let them be. You know, I, I just... I'm not going to put anything on my plants. So that's what I ended up doing. And sure enough, time went on. They started to diminish. Um, bugs, you know, the birds came, started eating them. And, yeah, so it was fine, you know. Yeah, well, the na nature will keep itself in check. Exactly. Most of the time, if you do it outdoors like that, that's the that's the living soil. I try to do living soil indoors because I'm an indoor grower. And uh, trying to recreate outdoors, indoors, it's kind of hard because you don't have birds. Yeah. And there's certain aspects you just can't get and life will keep itself in check. But like I said, Growcast will have some good information about even getting rid of those or mm -hmm. not getting rid of them, just how to direct them somewhere else. Yeah, <laughs> Instead exactly. of your crop. Exactly. And sometimes I mean, it's not bad. I yeah. mean, 
we've talked to many people, the, the bugs can actually trigger parts of the plant uh -huh. mechanism to yeah. create more terpenes, yeah. which makes it stronger. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I had a friend who would grow outdoors and the chickens would eat the bottoms <laughs> of the plants off, you know, uh -huh. and it would just make the tops bigger. Yeah, so it's like exactly. it's a natural part of, they mm -hmm. did some trimming for you, they yeah. pruned up for you. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what the grasshoppers were doing. They were they were just eating the leaves. They weren't eating the bud or they didn't even disturb the bud at all. So it, it didn't bother me. They were eating a few leaves. Yeah, it was a natural defoliation yeah. for you. You didn't, yeah. you didn't have to hire another worker to come yeah. out. And, and I think out. when you grow organically, um, it just seems the plants were so much hardier. They could take the wind. I, I never even trellised them. You know, I just had one stake in the ground by them to start them off as young and that stake stayed with them all the way through the harvest season. So now, you know, all my plants are harvested and I'm drying and, um, you know, I'm looking at my bud and it's darn pretty good. I'm, I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Sticky as can be. <laughs> so with Build-A-Soil, I know Miles uh, Fermented Extracts works with Build-A-Soil mm -hmm. and he wanted to come down here today, but he's not here. That's another okay. person I'd recommend. Okay. Those extracts okay, fermented, sure. that's the future of growing. Yes. If you want to go as yeah. natural as possible yeah. outdoors, yeah. the extracts fermented, that is the route that a lot yeah. of people go. That's where I'm trying to move into yeah. and learn myself. Yeah. And yeah. it's way more yeah. natural. Uh, there's ways to get some of those pests, IPM management, mm -hmm. uh, to keep them off of your plants. Mm -hmm. Like I said, it doesn't kill them. Mm -hmm. It just pushes them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So they don't bother yours, or you add some plants aside that they like more, so they eat those instead of your plants? Yes, exactly. Or exactly. you figure out That's what it, to change their environment. Like, I had an old-school grower tell me, you know, the thing about bugs are you have to, you have to, you know, shake their environment up because they like a special environment. So if they like a drier environment, well, maybe a little bit more wet, you know, a little bit more this, a little bit more that. So that kind of, you know, did help a little bit, too. So, yeah. You just have to play around with it. But I really am happy with the Build a Soil, and I love all their, their nutrient program. I, I I think I will stick with it for next year. Well, hey, Patty, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the information with you. It's highly enlightening, and I appreciate it a lot. Uh, let's get back out there and mingle with some people. and Sounds good. Enjoy the rest of this Harvest Festival. Okay, let's do it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Do you have a business with a product or service that you would like to advertise? Now you are able to hear on Reefer, the Reefer, the podcast. These ad slots will be limited to products that we endorse here on Reefer, the Reefer, and would be a great opportunity for exposure at a cheaper rate due to the fact the podcast is still new. So in the future, when new listeners tune in, they will hear about your products and service and they will be assured that it is a good product that we endorse here on Reefer, the Reefer and use it ourselves. Contact Little Farmer on his website or send an email to littlefarmer at outlook.com for more information. And now back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Mike Young, and he's working over at Ferrari Farms down here in Area 420 right now. And we were talking about what he got or how he got into consuming cannabis. Can you tell us, the people out here how you got into consuming cannabis and where you were at? Sure. Thanks for having me. I Thanks for started, coming on, my man. Started young uh, just with friends but saw the medical benefits early. Um, started developing a passion as I would uh, grow small seeds out of bags of mid-grade stuff that I got downtown in Florida. Um, saw how interesting the plant was and how much I enjoyed smoking it regularly and feel that I truly have a better quality of life with it than without it ever since then. Um, been a regular smoker for over 12 years and uh, haven't had any health issues and love it and recommend it to everybody for sure. 
Yeah, so what, you moved to Colorado just because of the legalities in Florida and you wanted to feel more comfortable out here just like I did. Exactly. And uh, did you grow while you were in Florida or did you wait till you got out of here? I, I did a little bit. Um, as scary as it was, I didn't go on any kind of good scale of it. Um, when I heard that you could move out to Denver and get a medical license or the plant count and comfortably do it in a, a small apartment even, I moved right away. Uh, dropped out of college in Florida, and um, after taking horticulture classes, I just decided to not work in Florida at all and take a chance out here, and it was the best thing I ever did. Um, Denver was great with the laws, letting you grow at home, and uh, I just prefer to do that rather than buy from the stores. Yeah, so what are some of the strains that you preferred to grow and helped you out? Originally, I had um, older names like Blue Dream, um, Banana Kush, uh, L.A. Confidential, Stuff that you don't see in regular circulation now, but stuff that was very hardy at the time, uh, very resistant to mildew and mold and pests. Um, sour diesels and older strains are not as popular, but it seems like all the mixes that are derived from those originally anyways, and I still see the names around in the mixes. Yeah, so you work over here at Warrior Farms, or not Warrior Farms, I'm sorry, Ferrari Farms. Ferrari and, Farms. Uh, what are some of the strains you guys are growing over there? Well, for now, we're just in construction. Um, the uh, Another place I'm working has stuff like uh, white truffle, um, runts, uh, a lot of uh, uh, mixes of Gorilla Glue. I've seen that Gorilla Glue number four and a, a bunch of mixes of that this past year being really popular, even longer than that. Um, we're at home, I'm growing stuff from uh, uh, heart and soil. Um, from, from Brett, stuff like Mist, Minty Mountain Mist and Sweet Dreams. Very excited to have some new flavors this year at home. Yeah, um, so it's a totally different game when you're growing commercial open and for yourself, right? I'd say so. Uh, the commercial uh, uh, side of it really just needs an efficient production. There is the craftsmanship of it and getting good product, but nothing like having a small batch at home that you can really baby and appreciate because you know you're going to consume it yourself. and you know, have it as a personal thing rather than trying to sell it. So I love that uh, connection to the home grow. Yeah, it's one of the main reasons that uh, <clears throat> I continue to grow is because I can grow the strains that I like and keep them alive, whereas on the commercial scale here, it seems to change every every six months. You have, like, a whole different yeah, list so of names out there, and uh, it's hard to find some of those older names and strains, which people really want. So I see there's a big push for that and the cannabis community to bring back those old strains. I'd like to see it. Uh, I, uh, I learned most of what I know in the, the growing side of it from these hardy, resilient strains, and uh, we didn't have to baby them as much uh, at the time. I've grown in every type of grow medium, hydroponic system, and indoor, outdoor, and uh, some of the older strains just, uh, they put these new ones to shame. They're so much stronger and uh, kind of miss that. What's your preferred method at your house or for yourself personally? I, I use a pro mix. Uh, right now I have five gallon pots. It's real easy and quick to turn over, do a little perlite at the bottom, start on a 20 and four, 20 on and four off on the light and slowly work into flowering after a couple months. Veg them a little longer than normal just as I have the time and, mm -hmm. and have a little more yield at the end of it. I probably do uh, four full rotations a year at home with uh, my little garage. Yeah, I, I do about four myself. Yeah. And that's the thing, you can let them go a little bit further too. So yeah. that changes the terpene profiles and it uh, really changes the uh, overall cannabinoid spectrum too. And you can definitely tell a difference oh, when yeah. you consume it. And a lot of the cannabis strains on the 
commercial market are fast fast producing uh bulky look good but that doesn't mean it's always going to make you feel the best that's right yeah some of the uh the stronger terpene smells really do take more time to develop Uh, they don't have that seven week finish like some of the the more purple the colorful colorful strains have uh but if you can take the time and have the the space and rotation it's nice to give it that extra bit so you are in the process of getting your own facility running correct i'm working towards a partnership with uh, the current owners uh, i'm their contractor as of now doing the construction side soon to be a uh, large indoor grow facility uh, fifteen thousand square feet in phase two over there it'll be all on a uh, uh, sliding trays um, we'll have something like 500 lights that are all 630 watt ceramic metal halides That'll be a pretty large production. We're just waiting on stuff like power and water and to be finished with the framing and construction inspections and also definitely some time, but by uh, beginning of next year, there'll be plants in the building. Nice, that sounds good. What are some of the strains that you plan on running there? Are you gonna be forced to um, run some strains that are available or do you plan on running some that you like from your past well uh there the owners are uh, very generous in letting me do most of the recommendation i'd like to do some of the local strains that have been popular through guys like Brainstrap and heart and soil like i'm growing at home but being on such a large scale we do have to see what's popular in the stores and selling in bulk just to keep up because um, it'll be such large batches that we kind of have to work with the times and do these uh, popular trendy strains and just keep up with that and it's just what the uh, customers will want in the stores yeah it's a it's a whole different market the market here changed a little while ago because they changed the law where medical patients can only buy eight grams of concentrate yeah. and they used to be able to buy up to 28 or more that's right so the sales of medical and concentrates has almost went cut in half mm-hmm. and now that that need for that weed to extract is not not there. That's right. So you gotta look out for different avenues. That's guys' backup plan, or you know, a lot of the main plans too is going to extract, and you know, having these uh, these little cuts like that affect them greatly. If they're not going to flower and relying on some kind of extraction process, it needs to be able to be purchased like it was, and everybody get as much as they want. Because buying just a few grams, the price goes up. You know, the customer is losing too. So. It doesn't really make sense that they only have to buy a small amount at a time. Yeah, so you you uh, actually help other other people put their grows together here or build their structures. I have. I've done some of uh, shipping containers with Lucky Seven. I've also worked part time there. My wife and I have done some har- harvest work and plant maintenance work regularly, some spraying and transplanting. Um, there's been a few places that have needed help in the two years that we've worked here. So it's nice to meet a lot of people. Uh, no regrets. Gardens moved in next to us recently and. They have a spot here in phase one and looking forward to seeing new people like that start up next year. There'll be a big wave of new people that have moved in these past few months. Yeah, uh, and there's just going to be more coming. Mm-hmm. I believe so. Uh, are there any strains that you avoid growing at home or you would never grow on a commercial scare here? And why? It's tough to say. I've had strains that uh, I've had multiple phenotypes of, like a, uh, an LA Confidential was a great example. Some of them were great, but some of them were so prone to just having mildew no matter what. I would have preventative methods and good room conditions. Plants right next to it of a different strain would be totally fine, but this plant in particular would always have something on it, and I eventually stopped growing it. It's not that uh, I have anything against it because the pheno that was resilient was great product, but I've seen some clones from clones eventually deteriorate in their quality and their resilience. So, um, 
lately, these past couple of years, I've been starting from seed, starting new moms and having that first or second generation, just a lot more production and a lot more hardy for sure. Well, I think that's a big uh, movement too in the cannabis community. A lot more growers are moving to seeds mm -hmm. uh, to avoid viroid, latent uh, issues. Yeah, the, uh, or pathogens that pass along, powdery mildew, they don't want to get a cut or they, they, they like one part of a plant but not another, so they're mixing their own together to come up with their own medicine and just, it's fun. It's cool to see, I really like it. This is an inspiring area for sure. It's fun, I kind of like, compared to having dogs, but you don't have, you, you gotta take care of them like a kid and like yeah. a dog, but when you breed them, you got a bunch of seeds, you get to, a whole, you get to pick your studs, you get to pick your, right. you're the female you like, mm -hmm. and then you can breed them and yeah. <clears throat> come up with their own breed. And, I've had some weird mutants recently uh, in the last batch of seeds I started. I had 40 or so from Heart and Soil, and only uh, uh, two of them didn't pop, and one of them came up in this kind of triploid growth, where I think that's the right term, where instead of a symmetrical two growth, it's got a three initial growth with the cotyledons and the, the mm. secondary stages. It looks a little squirrely, but uh, from a few people have told me that if that's a male, that'd be really good to breed because they might not be heavy yielders, but that's where they get a lot of that stink from is some of these cool males that are almost a mutant plant. So I heard something, I had one recently too, it was a CBG plant, mm -hmm. Mad Dog 2020 or something like that. I had the triploid and uh, I looked it up, triploid, uh, I can't remember if that was a good example of it. It's some genetically like a mutation with the chromosomes, I believe, but some with the triploid, if you have a one, a female, it is going to be sterile. Hmm. Of a triploid female. I don't know about a male. Interesting. If the if the pollen, but they if you can get a, it's going to be something for the future. I heard for outdoor growing, there's a great season here for outdoors. There wasn't many seeds from what I heard. Yeah. But uh, since it's a sterile plant, it will prevent the pollination, cross pollination from other grows. That'd be a good good genetic trait to pass on if that can. So be if a, it is a triploid, you might want to hold on to it just for that, just to see if. Uh, if it is true and it is a triploid or if it's just a three plant, which is a different term because somebody yeah. told me it wasn't a triploid, but I haven't had it another, I haven't had time to go research it, but it's a good, yeah. good topic for, to researchers for somebody that is the three leaf instead yeah. of two, is it a triploid or is it a different term and a triploid is only detectable through some type of gene analysis or tissue i'm not sure i'm not sure either yeah there's definitely something some other word i can't recall for it the one i have is not a very pretty growth the leaves are misshapen and the, there's some discoloration on it that just every other plant is healthy but this one just even though it has that interesting growth it i know he has some freak show in there yeah yeah in his collection maybe some freak show got in there and got it all messed up yeah maybe that's a good name for it yeah there's a freak show out there which has these really highly serrated leaves on it and just doesn't look like a cannabis plant at all i think i saw almost looks like a fern or something and yeah. uh yeah some people were mixing it i saw him post a picture of it the other day that's cool it's pretty wild so uh what's the future you said you're getting your uh, grow going and what else would you like to say up here i've really enjoyed being out here um this is our second year and we keep meeting more friends and i love the skiing close by and the hot springs around and Having this community of smokers and growers, it just makes it that much sweeter. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere, but it's kind of a diamond in the rough out here, and we've been loving it ever since. So highly, yeah, highly recommend the I've area. been telling people it's kind of like the uh, field of dreams for cannabis consumers. That's great. And if you build it, they will come. That's people right. are coming, and uh, 
that's why I'm down here trying to help promote it and yeah. turn it into that cannabis mecca mm-hmm. where we can feel comfortable and not have to worry about it. Yeah, we'll piss be, tests or yeah, it will be that. Uh, there's so many more job opportunities coming in the next year with all the new grows. If everybody works hard and tears up, then they'll need twice as many employees. And if we get a little housing out here, I can really see this area being much more popular than it is now. So these big parties are great. Next year we'll have a lot more of these, I'm sure. All right, yeah. Hey, I highly appreciate you coming on the show today, sharing your knowledge and your information. Uh, uh, wish you all the best of luck with your grow. It's a competitive market out there right now. It is. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. You have a good day. You too. Necessarily the point, but I want.